It is time for another Amateurs Fantasy Sports Podcast. Hello and welcome to the ninth installment of the NRL Fantasy Amateurs preseason team-by-team podcast. I think I've called it something different every single time here, guys, and uh, it's me... Ryan and regular Rob. I think we Ryan, we're probably taking back to regular Rob now, seeing as he's made five podcasts in a row. Yeah, no, he's he's on a hot streak here, and he was very punctual today. He's he's definitely earned the regular Rob title back. I think. Yeah, great. Oh, the people do seem to be liking the irregular Rob title though. So, um, uh, <laughs> Rob, Rob, which one do you prefer? Lean into it. I think I, I've just actually set my uh, fantasy team name up as um, irregular Rob. So I think let's stick with yeah. that. All right, we'll stay with you, regular Rob. Uh, all right, guys, today we're going to go through the Warriors, uh, which there is actually a surprising amount of discussion that needs to be had through this team. Uh, but obviously, before we get stuck in, we've got to touch on a couple of the things that have happened since we recorded the earlier podcasts. Um, so uh, for the Broncos, obviously, Selwyn Cobbo's comment, comments uh, that doesn't seem to have any fantasy relevance, but I guess they've formally named Reese Rolsch as the fullback because that surprises absolutely nobody and they didn't even need to do it. We all just assumed that that was going to be the case. Um, but something that we didn't expect, Ryan, with the Bulldogs was uh, the news that came out like literally the day after we recorded the Bulldogs episode uh, with the news that Jake Avarillo has been training at centre with Hayes Perham out the back. Is there? Do you have any sort of light to shed on that specifically? Oh, I mean, it's it certainly opens up a potential interesting one. Hayes Perham, he's cheaper than Jake Avarillo. I think he's uh, what seventy four thousand cheaper. So, I mean, that's. I mean, he's even cheaper than Avarillo. So, I guess the the expectations are set even lower. So, if he can average in the high to high twenties to low thirties, uh, there's a potential, uh, yeah, pretty good cash scale on the hands there. Yeah, I mean, the way that I've sort of approached this situation is de- I know one of them is going to be the fullback, and whichever one's the fullback, I'm going to take that one. So what I've done is I've just whacked Avarillo in my team, and then if it's the fact that we get Perham, then I'll 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 put the bank the money in the bank and use it for something else. Is sort of the way that I've been thinking about it. Uh, but uh, I mean, a couple of other bits to go through here. Nothing on the Sharkies, uh, Rob. Uh, I know we were all shocked to hear that Kalen Pong is injured in preseason. Yeah, that's a shame, eh? <laughs> was it just a yeah. run-of-the-mill training injury or something? Yeah, that, I think that's par for the course with Ponga. Uh, yeah. So he's got an injured calf. He's going to miss basically the entire preseason now and be pushing to be ready for round one, which is just an absolute great thing for the Knights preseason. Um, when you're changing so the spine around as well, potentially, is yeah, not ideal. You're still six weeks out from the first game. Have no idea who your fullback's going to be in round one. Uh, it's, yeah, it's it's not not great signs for the Knights. I think they're on a date with the uh, the bottom two or three positions on the ladder. Uh, but the other big one here for us is the Gold Coast Titans, who announced that uh, Tanner Boyd is actually going to be the fullback, which is not even something that we even considered in our podcast. Which means that. Uh, Foran's going to be the 5'8", his preferred position, that it does add somebody who has a, a history of actually kicking a football in an NRL game, which is great. Uh, he becomes a goal kicker as well, more than likely with Shop just being the, the backup. And then 
Brimson to fullback and Jaden Campbell more than likely in the 14 jersey. Uh, Ryan, big torpedo in both of our wing fullback potential uh, keeper options for the Titans. Yeah, it's really put a spanner in just about everyone. Um, obviously, we've gained a really great cash cow here. I'm sure you'll touch on, but we've lost quite a few, haven't we? You know, uh, ruins Jaden Campbell and AJ Brimson. Um, it ruins Aaron Shop. Um, even potentially Aaron Clark, if he's playing, say, you know, 40 in the middle, 15 at hooker. I guess there's a chance Sam McIntyre plays a bit of hooker like he was doing last year. But I mean, if it is Clark, they probably torpedoes him as well. So um, just with one fell swoop, Justin Holbrook has torpedoed about four or five different guys that were fantasy relevant, but he's delivered us one at least. Yeah, I mean, he's probably gotten rid of four or five guys that we shouldn't have been selecting and given us one that we will select now uh, on the plus side. So obviously Tana Boyd, uh, I did an article on him this morning, which you can find on the website now. I haven't shared it through the socials. So this is a one specifically for people who actually bother to check the website and listen to the podcast. Uh, so Tana Boyd, uh, 2021, that's 2020 and 2021 stats, uh, 30.7 average made up of 19 tackles and exactly 69 running metres per game, but only 100 kick metres per game with no goal kicking and and sort of a, a little bit of attacking stats. So 30.7, not something that we want to be getting as a, a player that's basically priced there. Um, but obviously the kicking is the big point here. So in 2022, uh, he increased from 19 tackles a game to 21 tackles a game and missed less tackles. Uh, had a small reduction in his running meters and attacking stats. I'm talking like he went from 69 to 65 or something like that and from uh, 10.5 attacking stats to 10.1 attacking stats or something like that. So maybe like a point worth overall. Uh, but he took over the goal kicking, actually kicked it over 80%, uh, like 82% or something like that, 23 out of 26 goals. Uh, and took 75 to 80% of the kick metres, averaging 350 kick metres per game. Uh, so over those last five matches, uh, he averaged 48.2 fantasy points, and that was only with one try and two try assists in five games. So Rob, obviously priced in the low 30s with a, a 48 last five average at half uh, in a very similar role. Is that enough to tickle your fancy? Yeah, absolutely. Just a couple of other points that you didn't mention, which one of which is in your article, is obviously the connection with Fafita. They were they played together in juniors, right? So Holbrook's yeah. obviously kept them together, which is really nice and might form a nice combination going forward. The other point is that the hooker position is quite tough um, this year. Mm. And obviously we might have lost Clark, but we might have got um, Boyd instead because he's a half hooker dual, which is really nice. Um, yeah. One thing I was thinking about was kind of his price is similar to what Sam Walker's was last year. So I was kind of like, oh, what? I looked at Sam Walker last year and was like, why Why didn't I get him? But I think Sam Walker's just, just didn't have as much of the command of the general play kicking as Boyd will. Because um, obviously Kerry coming back, it was a lot closer to 50-50. So yeah, wheels up, I think. Um, yeah, and I mean, the other thing to keep in mind with this as well is the stature. So Tanner Boyd is shorter than Sam Walker, but seven kilos heavier. Mm. So that is important. Uh, 21 tackles per game is Adam Dewey levels. Very high. Like that's bet career peak Ben Hunt tackles. Ben Hunt made 13 tackles a game last year for context. So 
it's an extra 50% tackles, but he's in a bad team, so that makes sense as well. Um, but he is a nugget. He's played some hooker, which probably helps. Uh, yeah, round five buy is not ideal. I'm actually not convinced it's a bad thing for Aaron Clark. It's definitely not a good thing, but I don't think it's a bad thing. I think if they roll Jaden Campbell out on the bench, it probably is a good thing for Clark and Tino. It just means a little bit more minutes. But just the last thing on that Keeper Park team, pretty sure that was Payne Haas, Mo Fodawaker as well were in that team. So it's ridiculous, eh? Yeah, imagine running out as the opposition and you got Payne Haas, Mo Fodawaker, and David Fafita running at you. Good so, luck. Uh, crazy I'd stuff. So, they probably drop out, I reckon. Drop out of high school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, nah, that's all right. I'm going to go and join the chess club. <laughs> Uh, so, boys, uh, that that probably covers off on everything fantasy relevant that's happened. Pappenhausen over to uh, America. I think that was up, that was before we recorded those. So, uh, boys, we might get stuck into the Warriors. So, starting off at the fullback position, uh, it seems like the round one team is going to have chance. Nickel Clookstar out the back. Um, there's been some conversations about Metcalf uh, with uh, Chance moving to the centers, but I think that's probably something that they're likely to do if if and when it doesn't work early. Uh, now, there's been some fairly robust conversations around chance between some of the people in the amateurs leadership group fantasy group chat. Uh, Ryan, I haven't really heard much from you on the chance topic. What's your thoughts around him? He's one I'm sort of on the fence about. Like, obviously, I really like uh, Chance as a player and a person. He was quite, he was, you know, a great cash cow in what was it, 2019, I think it was, when he first took over the starting uh, job for in Canberra. Um, he's one of these players that I don't think there's quite enough value to, you know, bring him to 10 points, but he's also a player I could, you know, see getting to that point. And there's also a real lack of, good wing fullback options i think so like i've currently got him in my side and and it's he's not firmly in there like if something better was to come along he could you know definitely come out but um yeah he's sort of one i, I don't have a strong opinion on either way but he's sort of in there because of a lack of other options currently yeah i mean there's a lot of guys in that price bracket um including another one in the wing fullback that we'll discuss today but i mean you've got you know, there's this big cluster of sub 400k potential wing fullback options, which includes Chance, Jake Avarillo, Hammer, Tyrell Sloan, uh, Bailey Hodgson potentially if he takes the fullback jersey, Khan Pereira for the Titans, Tommy Talau. Like, there's a few options there. So uh, he's one definitely to keep an eye on. He's probably one of my least favorite options out of that group in terms of price versus output. Um, and I actually prefer the next guy that we'll discuss. Um, but before we do that, Rob, did you have any additional thoughts around chance? No, I think that's, I think you've, you've nailed it really. He's one of those guys that is quite handy to have in an actual NRL team um, because he gets through the hard meters and that kind of thing. But I'm not sure he's going to be game breaking enough to, to really be, well, he'll be fantasy relevant, but it's just whether he can kind of kick on and get that, those 10 points of value. I'm not hundred percent sure. Um, and you're right, there's so many, even like 372 exactly, like uh, Taboy Fido and um, Staines as well, who, who we'll mention in yeah. a later podcast. Um, yeah, so I think, yeah, it's one of those ones. I feel like if he's the only one, you, if he's the only one left you have, um, get him because, you know, he's a little bit cheaper than your savages and that kind of thing. But um, yeah, look. 
Who knows? Here's here's my thought process, right? And because remember, he had that issue with his like bulging disc in his neck or whatever. Yeah, it's probably something. Can you write note this down, irregular Rob? Yeah. Uh, for the NRL Physio podcast that we're going to do later on, there's a little tease for you guys. Um, let's put it down to ask him about this specific injury and its impact uh, on performance. Um, because you know, if you look at Chan's 71 plus minutes at full games where he didn't get sinbinned or injured. Um, at fullback, uh, 2019 average 37.8, 2020 average 40.6. So he's priced at 25. So those two years there would give you a really clear indication. And then the six games that he started at fullback in 2021 even average 35.1, which would be enough. Um, and that was only a 16.7% try scoring rate where the other three years he's been sort of around that 40%, so 39, 40, and 44 the other three years. But he still averaged 35. So three out of the last four years, he's actually hit the 10 points of value threshold. The problem is last year he dropped down to 30.8 in those five games before he lost his job. Uh, his base went, you know, it was 25, 29, 25, and then 22. Uh, and he seemed to have, you know, the lowest of all of the things, the so lowest base of his career, lowest attack of his career, most demerits of his career. But, I mean, you know, tackle bus here, for example, four tackle bus a game, 3.5 tackle bus a game, 3.5 tackle bus a game, 0.8 tackle bus per game last year. So um, I wonder if it was a case of him, you know, being a bit hesitant or nervous or, you know, mentally, like the mental aspect of the injury, like sort of avoiding the contact or just started trying to get to ground and not breaking tackles or something like that. Uh, Ryan, did you, what do you think about that as a, as a theory? We lost Ryan. He's gone to sleep. <laughs> That's all right. He's full. He got sick of me talking about chance and went to sleep. Oh, no. <laughs> What's Hey, mate. Am I back? I'm back. Yeah, hello. You're back. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm you, definitely in favor of that. I did. I heard all that. No, I'm, I'm definitely in favor of uh, of that theory. Anything that's pro chance, I'm in favor of. And look, we've definitely seen players that have been hampered by injuries in the past, like David Vafita at the end of 2021, Tyson Frizzell last year. That's like impacted their scoring. So look, I, I, I could definitely see it. And he doesn't really need to do a whole lot to to um, have that 10 points of value either. So I guess I guess my lack of faith might just necessarily be in the Warriors than Chance himself. Yeah, I'm. I'm not actually a hundred percent sure if your wacky audio thing that you just did there came through to everybody else. <laughs> I and hope it did. It was truly re- remarkable. Yeah, it's yeah. Like I've never actually quite heard anything like what your voice just sounded like then. Um, it, was, it was going up and down and pitch, Ryan. So it went, it went really, really high and then yeah. really, really low. And you've already yeah, got like, quite a low voice. Yeah, it was. It sounded like you know somebody accidentally just gave you like a little squirt of helium, but not <laughs> enough to make it permanently stay there. So that'll be really interesting to see if that's in the in the episode or not. <laughs> All right, uh, the rest of the back line is going to be some combination of guys that we don't really care about uh, between Dallin Watini Zelizniak, Viliami Vilea, Marcelo Montoya, and Edward Kosi. Um, just an, uh, an anecdote that's not fantasy related at all. Um, I was trying really hard when I was doing the website uh, in the off-season to find an action shot of Viliami Vilea, and I, on the entirety of the internet, I can't find a single photo of Viliami Vilea doing anything. So 
it's actually just a photo of him, like his profile picture, because they don't have, they've, no one's ever taken a photo of him actually doing anything on a football field. Exactly. Yeah. Now, the halves combination, something we're really interested in here. Um, just touching on Sean Johnson here for a minute. Uh, recent photos coming out of him looking very fit with an eight pack training the house down. Rob, is that made enough to, uh, enough of an impression on you to make you buy into the Sean Johnson hype? Absolutely not. But, it is an impressive photo. I think it's on the Warriors Instagram, maybe. But I think, like Jazz Tavanga, for example, has been. He was on SEN um, yesterday, I think it was, um, and said that Sean was, you know, in the best shape he's ever seen him, and that he was training the house down. But look, you know, we've heard that before, and Sean Johnson at this point in his career is um, made of glass. He was always. So I don't, I don't, I don't think he should get Sean Johnson. Now, we do need to have this conversation because Tamara Martin, who we're about to discuss, and Chon's Nickel Clock Star, neither of which are big kickers of the football. Do we have our anti-Sean Johnson player bias goggles on, Ryan? Awesome again. I think, I think yes. I saw a, an impassioned debate about this on Twitter recently. Um because you're right, like, he will take over a lot more of the general play kicking um, in in this position at the Warriors. Um, but is that enough? Do you think that's enough? He's already priced at 39. I don't know. I can I, see a few I, points of value, but I don't really know the answer to this question. So no. we saw a we saw a marked decline from Sean Johnson at the Tigers in terms of his ability to run. Uh, not the Tigers, the Sharks, the Sharks. in terms of his yeah. ability to run the football. Uh, if you look at his career to date. Uh, just looking at his full games at halfback, uh, 2015, average 49.5, 2016, 47.8, 2017, 51, 18 is 46, 19, 47, 20, 20, 51. Uh, and then he drops down to 44 and 40.8, respectively. Uh, the kick meters are all over the shop, but 2021, he had his highest kick meter rate of his career. But had his second Moylan? lowest had his second lowest average. So um I think the big thing is the base stats, you know, the base stats 29, 26, 28, 31, 27, 31, 25, and then 22 yeah. last year. So I, think, I mean, yeah, in a perfect did. world, we see the kick meters come up by another, you know, two points a game, the base stats come up by another two points a game, he's fitter, tackling more, whatever. You know, that still only gets him to forty-four. That's kind of where I got to. I think he's so, he's never really been a tackle bot, you know. Like, um, yeah, he yeah he, he he shies away from the the hard work in my experience. Um, so yeah, I just can't see him making that jump. Um, you know, but it is uh, it is his last year at the Warriors potentially. So you know, everyone probably wants to the do last well. probably his last year full stop. I would have to suggest. quite possibly. Yeah, I can't see him going anywhere else. So yeah. Who knows? But now, you'd Ryan, be very, Ryan, do we have, very risky. Do we have you back? I don't know. Can you hear me? Yes, yep. we can. All right, lovely. You sound like you're at the beach, though. Welcome. I'm at the so, beach. Um, <laughs> but did you turn your fan on? No, I don't, I don't know what's going on. What's happening? That's all right. That's all right, mate. You, you, you're recording from the, uh, the, the window seat of a train. That's fine. Um, 
<laughs> no, it's not that bad. Uh, so, <laughs> Sean Johnson, any thoughts before we move on to the uh, fantasy relevant half? Uh, I mean, my my concern, like he he already averaged three hundred and fifty three kick meters last year. I just I just don't think there's enough value there to entice me. Not when there's so many other good uh, half options around. I don't think. Did he kick goals last year? Uh, he, he kicked. He averaged 0.7 goals a game. So I mean, maybe there's what an extra four points there. Yeah, but if there's four points there, there's two, maybe two points in base. You know, like and two points in kick meters. Can we? That's you know, that's that's dangerously close to ten points of value, boys. That's all I'm saying. Uh, okay, what we'll do, we'll table this, and we're gonna come out with a Sean Johnson article. I'm officially putting him in the caution. Bracket and not out, not in the fantasy irrelevant bracket. So I'm going Welcome to do a Sean, Sean Johnson. I'm going to do a Sean Johnson article after this. Uh, I think I think the the fans will be happy with it. So I don't know if it's going to say he's a buy or not, but I'm going to do. I'm going to look closer into this because I feel like maybe we've just completely overlooked Reese Walsh leaving and replacing with with Chance in terms of the half involvement. Um, and even Chanel Harris Tavita was a kicker of the football a lot more than what our next uh, friend Tamara Martin is. So let's have a discussion about that off air further and let's let's see if we can't get Sean Johnson into some fantasy teams. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, the other half, who is absolutely definitely fantasy relevant, Tamare Martin. Now, did either of you get on the Tamare Martin train last year because we specifically advised people not to get onto it? Ryan, you didn't, you didn't get on either, did you? No, we were firmly in the trap basket. Good boy. What about you, Rob? No, I didn't either. Just Good time man. didn't seem right. Nah, good stuff. So Tamari Martin, the thing you got to understand, listeners, with Tamari Martin is his stats at fullback and his stats in the halves are very different. Uh, and essentially what you see is uh, – I'm just going to go into the Fantasy Pro website just so I can give you the accurate numbers here – so full games or, or you know, 70-plus minute games, uh, his average at fullback uh, is 21.8, which is just disgusting uh, where he's priced at the moment. But his halves average is 30.8. So that's nine extra points. You know, that is a significant amount. He's priced at, tw- at 21. So 31 is – that's 10 points of value straight away. Uh, now, in this entire thing here, only kicks for an average of 34 metres per game. That's his career halves kick metre average. So that's 7.5% of the kick metres. Uh, even if he was to increase that to 60 kick metres or 90 kick metres, that's an extra one or two points. That gets us to 33, uh, which is, you know, that's 10 points of value in your wing fullback. Um, it's a lot of actually sort of fairly, um, you know, there's, more recently, there was an eight. But outside of that, it's all sort of 20-something, 30-something, 40-something. You know, there's a couple of low ones, but, you know, every non-dominant half has that. So, um, Ryan, starting with you, mate, Tamari Martin, is he in your team at the moment? He is, and he's sort of in the price bracket for me where it's it's low risk. Um, he doesn't need to do a whole lot to achieve 10 points of value. Like, he's priced very low as it is. Um, so the bar's not set too high. I don't have too much faith in him to be in my 17, even though he probably is currently. I don't, I don't like it. But um, the dual position and the low break, even it's he just sort of seems like a no-brainer. Yeah, it's it's one of those things because I mean, you look at Xavier Savage for example. He's like 
160k more. So, you know, you're talking there about 12 points difference in terms of what he needs to average. So, if Tamari Martin averages 31, Savage has got to average 43 to make the same amount of value. Mm. Or something like that. So, I mean, it really is a case of, you know, and obviously none of us see Savage averaging the 40s. So, I mean, the big concern is if you just I, – I think I think the only way you can avoid uh, the price-to-value proposition for Tamari Martin is if you uh, have some sort of PTSD and you're scared of his his stats that he put up at, uh, at fullback as a justification for why he's not a good half, if that makes sense. So – um, yeah, no, I think I think it's wheels up, boys. That obviously, he doesn't have any stats here since 2019. So 2020, 2021, and 2022, he hasn't played in the halves. But, I mean... I'd, he had a pretty significant anything, injury. Like, he almost, re- like, medically retired, right? Like, yeah, it was a brain bleed. Brain bleed, yeah. So that excuses some of that time off. Yeah. Oh, of course, yeah. But, I mean, and I think we saw something come out from NRL Physio the other day that 5 8 is statistically the least likely position for someone to get injured in. Oh. Which is which seems strange. Why? Why? Why does it seem strange? Yeah. Well, it just seems like, I don't know, it, it, what makes 5'8 materially different from halfback other than they're on the opposite side of the field? Like, it, it just the seems... times they touch the ball. But typically 5'8s run the ball. Yeah, but, I mean, you look at the co- the type of contact that they're getting, and this is, I think, part of the reason why they moved Ponga is because Ponga was getting a lot of times where, you know, somebody's moving at speed, he's the last line of defense, one-on-one tackle, you know, half is at the ground and someone hits him in the face. Like, that's the types of head injuries that Ponga was getting. Um, or mm. shoulders diving to stop a try, whereas, you know, in the halves, you know, you're a bit protected, like he's going to be playing next to, a, you know, Torhu Harris or a near Kore, who can, you know, like take the, the brunt off the tackles, these types of guys. So I, I, I can see I can see it. Um, and, I mean, you know, you look at the Jackson Hastings who touches the ball 90 times a game versus Martin who'll touch the ball 30 times a game. You know, if you in terms of, you know, ACLs and things like that, the more you touch the ball, you're more likely to do something like that as well. So, yeah, I can, I can see the logic. Um, it's I, I would have suggested maybe like a center or something well, I would have thought, but I mean, this is, it's not I mean, that different really. I guess maybe uh, outside backs are more susceptible to soft tissue injuries. That's completely just a guess, but it could be possible. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. More running meters. Maybe flag this for the uh, discussion and the other uh, podcast. Yeah. All right. You No, you flag it, mate. You write it down. Oh yeah. I already have. <laughs> <laughs> I was letting you guys uh, give me some physio <laughs> lessons though. No, that's all right. I just I, like the way that you said that, Rob. It made it sound like you were trying to take over, and it, it you know, triggered my control issues. <laughs> yeah, no, I understand. You used your lawyer voice on me. <laughs> I just need you to calm down. All right. Just upwards, upwards, delegating, eh? <laughs> <laughs> all right, boys, into the forward pack. Actually, we go to the hooker, uh, Wade Egan. Uh, he's probably going to be spelled by. Uh, uh, Lussick early, and then once Jazz is fit, he'll he'll spell Jazz. Uh, Jazz will spell him. We think. Uh, so uh, n- no interest there for Wade Egan. Uh, now the forward pack is a little bit unusual because obviously we've heard that um, Nia Corey's more than likely going to be on the edge. Barnett more than likely is going to be at prop. Uh, it makes a lot of sense in terms of 
the pa- strength of the pack, but really I think takes something away from the uh, from the, the outside backs. Not having near Corey there as a strong defensive center, but um, uh, we've got Curran here. I think somebody's doing a current article at the moment, but I can't see any way that that results in him being a buy. Uh, Nia Kore is an interesting one, uh, but not somebody I'm willing to take a punt on without a centre duel. Uh, and, the, but, and I mean, obviously, we look, Barnett becomes a trap, Adam Fanua Blake becomes a trap. Tohu Harris is probably the wild card here. Um, whether he goes to edge or lock, I don't know if that matters. Ryan, have you had much of a chance to have a look at our boy Tohu? Yeah, I had a little bit of a look, when, you know, obviously when we were doing our initial team projections and uh, I was uh, somewhat interested in, in Tohu um, when Barnett was, when we thought Barnett was going to be on an edge. With him in the middle, I don't know, it just adds that little bit more uncertainty about the minutes these guys are going to play. Like obviously... Mm-hmm. I don't think Tohu's an 80-minute guy anymore. I don't think they think of him like that, but he's not going to be playing small minutes either. I can't see him playing under 60. Um, there's another one you can mark down for the uh, for the physio podcast because normally the physio always says it's the second year back from the ACL is when you sort to start to see that increased performance. That first year back's usually a little bit decreased. So maybe Tohu gets, starts getting back to what we were seeing prior to that ACL if he gets the minutes. Um, so, that, I mean... If he can push back into that keeper status, like get him closer to 44, 54, 55 sort of range, like that's, you know, that's cut price keeper area right there. Yeah. I mean, just having a look at his lock starts, and I know it's a small sample size of only 15 games spread across 2020, 21, and 22. Um, if we took out, even if we just take out the 2022 and use that theory, right? So his average at lock is 65.7 in 79 minutes. So. That's a 0.83 PPM. So at 60 minutes, that's a 50 average basically on the dot. So he'd need to have more than 60 minutes to be a keeper at lock is the the thing. But he's already priced at 47. And, I mean, if you're chasing somebody who's going to get 49 to 50, you'd just take Corey Horsburgh for 100 and something thousand less. So, I mean, where's to- where is he actually priced? Man, he's cheap. Oh, 687. But yeah, he's 100k. He's 100k more expensive than Pangai and and Horsburgh. So you really at that 687, you want to clear 50 something with upside. I mean, Nat Butcher, Jewel in a similar range, who we'll discuss in the Roosters podcast. Like he's a 53 projection, and he's not currently cutting the muster for my team. So, uh, Rob, do we, what? What's your thoughts? Do you think Torhu's going to be at edge or at lock? Because I I think it seems like we need him to be on the edge. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things because often, often Tohu played lock, but actually had the twelve on his back because he was one of those guys that had the you know mm. jersey phobia, like um, Josh Jackson. So I was, yeah. I'm wondering actually how many of those edge starts he actually played on the lock. But anyway, I think he's going to be on the in in a lock position. Um, I heard Webster speaking about this. He wanted him to be kind of. He was grouping him as part of the spine, so he wanted him to be this kind of ball-playing lock, kind of Jake Trebojevic, Isaiah Yo light kind of guy. Um, but whether that means his hit-ups and tackles are that much, I'm not sure. But I think he will definitely play, be playing big minutes. That's that's kind of my take on listening to Webby in the off-season. Um, but yeah, that 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 ball-playing lock role is not usually conducive to fantasy unless they're playing 80 minutes. 
Yeah, uh, and and knowing that, um, I think it takes me from a, I'm curious about it to like a hard no for me. Yeah. Um, it just you know all I've got in my mind is like Jake Trebojevic now. Yeah, yeah, me too. Because he's not he's not Cam Murray, and he's never going to be Cam Murray, right? So no, he's not Cam. Murray. It's quite a different proposition. What is he like? Thirty two now as well. Yep, I think he's born in nineteen ninety two. Um, is he? That'll make him thirty. Um. He's 31, yeah, very early, 92. So, yeah, it's 31 now. Um, he's obviously, you know, thought of more as an extra half than he is a, a forward. So I think that's probably more, you know, just an avoid. Actually, I only have the, I only have the one warrior in my team at the moment. I just have tomorrow, Martin, and that's it, I think. So, yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, not worry. I, not, not their I year, then, no, I don't think it is their year, mate. I think there's, it might be their year to win the first ever wooden spoon. That might be it. Oh, no. I feel like we still won't, but, you know, we'll come 16th in a 17-team 17 17 yeah. league. I, I actually said on the podcast last year that I thought that 2023, the Warriors would be good. God. Because of the 2024, signings. 2024, maybe. Just because of the site. Like, you know, they've they've made good signings, but they've just done it all wrong. I think Barnett is like a good everyone, signing. Yeah, but like, and Metcalf you know, will be, but he's not. Metcalf's not even in the team. No, I know, but I, yeah, it's a they, it's a hard one. Got, I think they've got Marcelo Montoya and Viliamu Valea running around instead of, or or maybe we'll see. You know, our friend friend Rocco Berry turn up, or it of, could be Ed Kosi on the wing yeah, as well. But and, yeah, it's all it's not yeah. great. Yeah, I've got him on the. I've got him on the wing on the website. But you mm. know, you got Dylan Walker, who's going to play like thirty minutes off the bench. Who's a perfectly capable centre, and Neil Kore, who's going to play on the edge when they've got a thousand forwards. Instead of you know using the players in their positions that they're actually you know they're covering their weaknesses. Imagine like the the forward the centre combination of Dylan Walker and Neil Kore instead of Vilea and Montoya. Like surely. As some as a football professional, you look at that and go like, okay, like I need to do something here. But, yeah, you're forgetting um, Braden Williame as well, fantasy fantasy oh, favorite. Man. Oh man, so. slap him in there right now, mate. He's their best outside back, including Dallin Martinez Lesniak. <laughs> yeah, I've got nothing good to say about Martinez Lesniak. So yeah, okay, great. Have we had, have we complained about the Warriors enough, or what, Ryan? Did you want to pile on at all? Or are you happy with that? you know, that level of assessment. Yeah, no, I think we've touched on the Warriors. Uh, it's hard to, I don't know, it's hard to get excited for this uh, Warriors discussion, especially since we've got, you know, uh, Barnett move from edge to to prop. Like, he was the one, of, one of the few shining lights that could be a, a gun keeper this year, and um, e- even that they've ruined. Yeah, oh, mate, he was locked into my team until that news came out. He, he didn't, yeah. he didn't left, never left my team. Made it very upset. So, but, you know, it is what it is, boys. So that I think that'll probably do us for the Warriors. Uh, any closing thoughts before we finish up? Is it their year, Rob? Um, no. <laughs> look, at the bright side, look at the bright side, Rob. At least the jersey looks really nice and they've integrated the sponsor logo really well. Oh, my God. We haven't even talked about the one New Zealand Warriors yet, have we? But I actually don't think it's that bad. No, it's not as bad as the... Blues one, you're right, but yeah, or the Titans one where they've got that big orange Neds logo right across the front. Yeah, it's no, um, it's no Bush jersey though. Oh, oh, how good was that? I reckon <laughs> the, the Warriors, jersey. the Warriors would have to be the team 
that have the biggest, the highest floor and the lowest ceiling for jersey quality. Yeah, there's some really good ones, and then there's just some, <laughs> some shockers, eh? That bush, the bush jersey, is up there with the worst jerseys I've ever seen. That's horrible. The, the bush jersey is so bad; it's really good. It's and it's they so didn't far even play. They didn't even play it's... in Wellington that year because of the because of the pandemic. Oh man, so the, the bush. The Bush jersey goes is so far past zero, it goes back around and hits a 10. Like, that's 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 the Bush jersey. That's I love it. It's the great, yeah, great jersey. Oh, man, that's funny. Like, like I'm just I'm, I'm looking on the on Google now, and so like some of the um indigenous round jerseys that they do are just they just absolute fire. I got a nines jersey that just absolutely slaps, and then there's, there's, a, there's, a, um, there's a Spinoff is a New Zealand um, journalist website, but they've done a ranking of all of the Warriors jerseys, um, and it's actually quite—it's quite—it's worth—it's worth having a look at. There's some, but it shows you some of the terrible ones, but also some of those Indigenous ones are great. It, even just go in and have a look at the the 2019 uh, Indigenous jersey for the Warriors. It's like white with blue like lines across it with the the patterns on the top and bottom and then like this diagonal strip through the middle. It, that's just, it looks so good. And then you just get like the Bush Jersey. It's like, <laughs> who dished this up? Like what person just went, you know what? It'd look really awesome. A giant crystal ball in the middle of a Jersey. I love that we moved on to Jersey chat. Some of the work, there's been some shocker jerseys out there. Oh. Do you remember the uh, the yellow Canberra Raiders jersey when they wore a yellow jersey back in the day? No, I don't that remember was, that. Oh, I, that one was I'm awful. Just, I'm just looking at this baby shit green uh, 2020 khaki Anzac Day jersey. <laughs> it's Oh, man, that is just dreadful. 2020. That Canberra one's terrible. I just had a look. Yeah, the 2020 yeah, Day jersey for the Warriors. But then you look at the 2019 one, and it's slick as. It's got the, like, mountains on the back with the like, red poppies <laughs> down the bottom and white. It so does good. look like baby poo. It does look like baby poo. <laughs> I don't know what happened. The 2022 training jersey even, like, with a big green blob down the bottom, like, terrible. But, yeah. The 20, oh, 2020, all the Indigenous jerseys are awesome, but the uh, Anzac Day 2019 one, that might be, or the 2020 yeah, one might be the worst jersey I've ever seen. 2019 looks fire, but yeah, 2020 is, oh. uh, is garbage. You imagine like being the person who like, you, you wonder what happened if it's the same person that designed the jersey or if it was a different person that designed it and like whether they fired the person from 2019 and then the 2020 person when they came out the guy from 2019 or the person from 2019 is like, oh, man, no, you shouldn't have fired me then. That jersey sucks. <laughs> That's like – this is like the jersey equivalent of what PVL's done to his digital team. Oh, oh just, just completely down- gutted it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's downsized it. What about – oh, yeah, mate. Now, now we, we're, getting, we're getting into the weeds here. What about the old teal, like, Penrith Panthers jersey? Oh, <laughs> Oh mate, there's some there's some really awesome hoodies on here actually. Rob, go can you get yourself a New Zealand Warriors uh, ho- hoodie? Is it a new a new one? Yeah, on the Warriors shop, there's like a yeah. it's like green with like like green like a ocean green faded into black with like the Warriors logo sort of half um, 
printed on the top. It, look, it actually looks really slick. All right, I have to do it. Yeah, just get one of them. Send me one over as well. No, yeah, that's, we'll that's good, guys. Good, good jersey chat. Maybe we'll get a really, maybe we'll get a bush jersey for whoever wins our uh, overall league this year. I feel like they're going to be a collector item at some point. Oh, for sure. Because they're so for bad. sure. Yeah. Classic. Love that. All right, guys. Thank you very much for joining us. Hope you enjoyed jersey chats with Mark Ryan and Irregular Rob. Uh, we'll be <laughs> we'll be back with you next time to talk about someone on the a team on the complete other end of the spectrum, the mighty North Queensland Cowboys juggernaut. Till next time. Hey, love you guys.